You know, that's one thing we do with the Protectors Podcast is we change our voice when we hit record. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm sitting in Ron's casa. And this is kind of, I love doing in-person podcasts. It's something different than jumping on Zoom and StreamYard and all the other ones. It's really cool just to chat and talk, man. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah, we've done a few. This yeah. is the first day. First in-person one. First in-person. We've seen each other a bunch you know, all over the place. But uh, yeah, this is cool. I keep thinking it like... This might be like my third or fourth in-person interview, and I just I enjoy it. You know the mobile setups; so you can pretty much just come and go where you're at. And like right now, we're we're in your kitchen; we have good sound. Uh, hopefully, it comes out as good sound. But yeah, man, I appreciate your hospitality, and thanks for having me over. Absolutely, yeah. The biggest reason I want to talk to you today is about, and this is one of the things I just I just did a podcast the other day in person about was training for mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, you have a military background. I have an LEO military background, and a lot of our friends and associates all have a military and LEO background. But that's just a such a small percentage of the people out there who are now vested into the firearms community, into the protector community, into protecting their house, into protecting their families. That there's not enough resources for them to get. I like to call it kind of training, mm-hmm. not where you're going to get like, you know, hey, pay me 15 grand and we're going to rip your ass out. No, like this is what you need to learn and this is how we're going to do it. And this is some things you should look at. So was that what was your, your thoughts when you first started up these training programs? I think a lot of things I've figured out um, at, just as I've moved, you know, down the road and. <clears throat> You know, there's no shortage of amazing instructors out there across the country with solid backgrounds who put on, uh, you know, really great packages. And I've been doing private instruction for about 15 years. Uh, You know, I I think one of the cool things, I guess, that what I've learned is I'll have a lot of guys who will get out or retire out of, you know, right down the road on Camp Lejeune from the Raiders or, you know, Force Recon. And they'd be like, hey, man, I want to do this when I go home. How do I do it? And I was like, well, the first thing is, is you're not training Marines. I was like, they're coming to you for education, not a qualification. So it's a very different mindset. And you have to approach every single person with finesse. The moment you flip out like how we were flipped out on on our training packages, you're going to lose the entire class. So now it becomes you just made everybody on the range, you know, very paranoid, very fair, you know, afraid, and you now run the risk for some type of safety incident. So having that finesse and having the ability to, I guess, adjust on the fly, you know, I run open enrollment courses. So well, I, I do want to backtrack. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one thing you brought up was training to qualification. That mm-hmm. just it clicked to me because with our backgrounds and with a lot of people's backgrounds, you're training for that qualification. Okay, I need to get expert. I need to get this. I need to pass or this. But when you're training a civilian, when you're doing a civilian course, it's, you're really just training them to survive. So, yeah, brother. Is that all right? Yeah, we're good, brother. Hey, you know, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I'll, I'll get people that will, you know, and I don't really advertise training. And people are like, hey, I got your number from so-and-so. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the qualification and education. And so when I run these open enrollment courses, people just get my information word of mouth. And so 
I give them the time. I get their email. I shoot them all the course information, basically what we're going to do, their, you know, their gear list, all, all these things. And I don't particularly, that, that's my vetting process. And there's, I know there's dudes out there that do a very good job vetting their clients, but majority of my clients are like soccer moms, are, you know, families, are people who are, are not necessarily, you know, neither side of the political spectrum, but are realizing they're seeing the rapid, like constant change in our country and security posture and, or lack of, you know, concern for the citizens and people are becoming very self, self-aware, which is, I think is a good thing. And so I never know who's showing up at the gate at my range. So I have to be, you know, very flexible and we, you know, and I say we, because I have a handful of really good instructors who work with me and, um, have worked with me quite a bit, but, um, uh, uh, we have to, you know, we, we bring everybody in and we, we, everything is safe. It is aggressive. It is realistic, but we can tailor everything. Like I've had, we've posted pictures and we've had people like, Oh, you know, why, you know, why are they holding, why are you have them holding the pistol that way? That's not correct. Well, here's the thing is that that is not correct. How you were taught. That is not correct how it works for you. But when I have a 73 year old grandmother who's concerned right now and her hands are full of arthritis, she's not going to be able to get full arm extension and, and parallel thumb. So you have to find that balance. And that's one of the things that we do. We work with people. Another thing that I do, and I don't know, like, I don't know if other people are doing this, but, um, I do this and it's, it works. Um, and I know it works because, well, my wife was my test bed years ago. My wife is right-handed, left-eye dominant. And for, you know, for years, thousands of rounds, we could, shooting the pistol, we could not get her center. Consistent group, low and left, low and left, low and left. We're like, what is going on? I couldn't figure it out. She wakes up one day. She's like, I know it is. My left arm is stronger. And I was like, and then I realized after like, I don't know, a year and a half of shooting, I was like, I never checked her dominant eye we checked her dominant eye she's left eye dominant put the pistol in her left hand bullseye boom 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 blowing the center out so she's right-handed left eye dominant shoots rifle pistol bow all left-handed so i have people come out to the range with your left-handed right eye dominant and your accuracy is consistently off you're not there i have them shoot a few rounds i was like humor me put the pistol in her other hand have them come on out and every single time dead center pulls them right back in and they're like why and i was like that's just you're listening to your body and some people don't really agree with that but like and i remember in i remember in boot camp in marine corps boot camp i don't know how it was you know for you guys but when you had somebody who had like a stigmatism or a mm-hmm. problem with their eye they wouldn't if they didn't we never did dominant eye in, and that was 1989 so who knows what they're doing now but they would just put an eye patch yeah over the eye so you could be left-handed but right eye dominant and now you're not you know and then these people were barely qualifying you know so <clears throat> I, I think that a lot of the things that i like to do is is, is also like well, one of the reasons why i invented the grip i just see in again being left-handed is my superpower so i see things different and i approach them differently and i try to like find a different way to make it you know easier for you because you know shooting and training and stuff like that's hard but it also should be fun you should want to do it you should not feel like 
you know, mm-hmm. you should be like, you should and be you like, you shouldn't be like nervous about going to the range. Yeah. And you shouldn't be like, Oh God, I got it. No, you should be like, Oh man, I haven't trained like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know? So I don't know. Those are just some things that I do. And a lot of that has tailored because I have, like I, we say we train soccer moms, as special operators and everyone in between. But that's what I like what you're talking about too, is like a lot of people are talking, Hey, I need to take a CCW course, concealed carry course, CCP, whatever your state calls it, or they're going to be carrying for duty. A lot of people want a gun. They want firearms. They want training for their house, their casa, their 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 domicile, their castle, their their stronghold. They want to be able to pick up the gun, and if it's a seventy or eighty year old lady who has arthritis, and be able to engage whatever's in front of her to stop the threat. So when you're talking about, well, you know, this person says you should do it this way, or this person, train them to where they're going to be able to effectively stop the threat, because when we're talking about Nowadays, with such a shortage in law enforcement or first responders or anybody, when everything happens within seconds, and they're talking like, you know, LEOs now, police in these small jurisdictions, you can be looking like 30, 40 minutes before you get a response. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. So what are you going to do between now and then? So you have to have some sort of training. It's great to have the tool, but if you don't have a baseline of training that you could work on, you're SOL. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like to do foundations, and everything builds off of that. So in in North Carolina, we uh, we recognize concealed carry permit holders from forty eight states. The only state that this, uh, North Carolina doesn't recognize is Vermont, and I haven't really researched that, but I, I I believe Vermont is constitutional carry only that they don't have a concealed carry permit. And I could be wrong on that. Uh, however, if you have a concealed carry permit in Texas, Florida, South Carolina, you know, anywhere, and you move to North Carolina, per- permits do not transfer in. You have to take a state required course. Uh, the state gives you a minimum a requirement on how you have to teach the course. And it's up to, it says it right in their, in their training manual. It's up to the individual instructor to adhere to a higher standard. I do that. Uh, in my class, people actually learn how to shoot. We do an hour of dry fire. We do an hour of pistol presentation out of the holster. We do, and that includes, uh, you know, dry firing with magazines and getting very comfortable and, and confident with the equipment before they ever fire a live round. And I've been doing it that way for 15 years, and it's been very successful. I've had I've had multiple people who've never shot a gun in their life before who go and take the not very difficult 30 round qualification and they blow the center of the target out i've had anti-gunners who've come out to the class and been like i just woke up one day and realized i hate something i know nothing about and i want to come try this out and every single anti-gunner um who has come through my class at the end of the class they've all said the same thing this is the best thing i've ever done i cannot believe i've wasted this much of my life hating this this was awesome and it's a presentation it's how it's how you present it to people. You know, I understand the fears. I understand the hesitations. I think one of the things that actually helped me with that was my wife. My wife is not from, her family wasn't, you know, big into firearms. And when we were first dating and she would come over, I had my little table where I would like, you know, gun, take Apex out, you know, put wallet keys down on the table. And she, she said, and I didn't realize this until she had said it, but she said when she would walk in the house, she would like walk close to the wall because she didn't want to stand next to it. And 
I, and, and I just kind of like thought about that a lot and it's just like, Hmm. So, and I never forced it on her. I was like, when you're ready to shoot, you know, let's go. And then she wakes up one day, she's like, Hey, I want you to teach me how to shoot. And then we went and now she's pistol pack a mom and, and she, t- she talks a lot of shit. The like, biggest thing is misconception. Like mm-hmm. you said about someone who's anti-gun or someone who's like, it used to be like when I was a kid, if you saw a gun, it was like, it, it was just automatically explode and go off. Mm-hmm. If you just looked at it wrong. Mm-hmm. Cause nobody knew. You no. know, I didn't grow up in a family with guns. I was the first one that had a firearm. I think I was 12 or 13 when I got a 22. My dad never handled firearms. My brother's um, 22, then shotgun, and then, you know, my, the rest is history because now I'm, I love guns. But mm-hmm. the thing is the misconception and not knowing that it's a tool, but it could also not be used to take a life, but also for sport. Mm-hmm. When you start looking at sports, like uh, competition shooting to me is like one of the – I'm finally at a point in my life where I'm like – I. Going to competition is it feels like I'm back in high school playing mm-hmm. football or something because you're competing against other people. Whether or not it's pistol, rifle, shotgun, or whatever, there's such a sport out there that you could do air guns, 22s, anything, mm-hmm. to where it's, a, it's not just a tool anymore. It's like it's just a, a mechanism of fun and competition. So I love I love shooting sports, man. Yeah. I, I Right before I retired, I started shooting a lot of competitions, and I, it was fun. It, I liked it because I was challenged by a course of fire I didn't create, mm-hmm. and I did it, I think, for probably about five years. It was like probably shooting about five matches a month, and I hit a point, though, that I wasn't really out there for the purposes of the gun enthusiast. I was out there to be challenged by a yeah. course of fire I didn't create. And I would have, I would, let's just say I would have professional discussions with people. They were just like, oh, that's a minor, that's a major. Like, you do that again, you're going to get disqualified. And and I got tired of the rule bookers. And and I just, and, and it's just like, and it kind of took the fun out of it for me. Um, now, I will competitively shoot again when my son is older because I'm going to do it with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm more so going to be with him being coaching him rather than i am doing it because that's where i'm finding like my new passion my new pleasure it's funny is because it i go back to the book of five rings of musashi miyamoto and i've read that book i've read that book a dozen times and it's it's like the book of five rings the art of war and the bible it's not a book you finish it's a book you will read for your entire life and it's time for me to revisit the book of five rings because uh last time i dove into it i think my son was about 18 months old and he's seven now and every time i've read that book it's been different and what i learned now is i'm no longer the student i'm the teacher Mm -hmm. i'm the master so i have to take those life lessons and apply that to him and again i don't i'm not trying to raise a little marine i'm trying to raise the next generation of leader of warrior and he does and i and i say this and i I talk about that for the summer camp when i say warrior i don't mean door kicker i mean that person who's going to stand up for their religious their religious values and views for the country and for their family and lead lead regardless of of all the chaos and you know around them so but yeah, I'm just jumping all over the place. No, you're not, because you, you brought up a great point. Because you know, one one pillar of the community that I always brought with me 
into my civilian world and everything else I do is making a decision. Mm-hmm. And part of being a leader is making a decision. And I think that's kind of one of the things is if you teach someone that they need to make decisions and make critical decisions, that's the biggest thing about leadership mm-hmm. is not to be hesitant. And when a lot of people don't understand warrior is beyond just taking a life. There's so much to being a warrior. And that's what we were talking about before, but before we started to hit record is camps. So let's mm-hmm. talk about the camps you have, like for families and for kids. Yeah. So we homeschool our son. Um, you know, we, we made the decision. We were going to go, you know, get him into one of the uh, Christian academies here in town. And, um, we just hit that point where we're like, I think we're just going to go ahead and try, um, our own, you know, our, 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 throw our hat in the ring with this homeschool thing. The benefit is, is that my wife was a teacher and, um, so she has that great foundation for childhood development and, you know, all the, the things that I'm probably not good at. And, um, uh, I have my background. So we've been, we've been home, we've been homeschooling him and our whole, you know, homeschool is, uh, the funny thing is too, is like with that is like, we've also kind of had to unlearn and not compare our kid to other kids and to like my nephew who they're three months apart. So we've had to unlearn what we were institutionalized in thinking education platform should be, you know, go to school this time to this time, come home, spend two hours with your parents, go to bed, but rinse, wash, repeat for, you know, 12 years. Right. So, um, we don't have to do a full day because he, and, and thing is, is that if, you know, for my son, if he was in a regular classroom, he'd probably be labeled the problem. But he's on a whole nother level of the stuff, like how we teach him. So he and I will go out and we'll spend four hours out in the woods trying to figure out how to track, trying to learn all these things, teaching him how to navigate. So when his friends would come over and, you know, my, my niece and my nephew would come over and we're, I'm doing all this stuff with them. And so people were just like, dude, you should run a camp. Like, seriously, like, my kid came home. And they're like, dude, look, well, Mr. Ron Toss, I'll start fires. Look, he gave me this compass. He would learn how to do this and everything. And it was like, you need to do a camp. And I'm like, oh, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to do a camp. I don't want to do with parents. I'm like, I'm going to say something. I was like, something's going to happen. The Marine's going to come out. And I'm going to, I'm going to cuss some little like eight year old out and it's going to be bad. And I'm like, I'm just not dealing with that. There's no so, way, man. So, I, I believe me. I know. <laughs> just so you guys know, I was taking pictures of Ron while doing this. If you know him, he is a Marine. Believe me. But I, there's no way. I've seen the videos of him and his, and his son, and I'm like, there's no way he's going to be cussing kids out and mm. making them do uh, the Harley Davidson where they get against the wall and like, put their arms out. No. But um, so my last November, my dad passed away. And... Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's difficult, um, because now I'm having to navigate losing a parent and raising my son who just lost a grandparent. And I got to tell you through it all. My son was a champ. He was there for every part of it and was the one who was going around picking everybody up. And that was like, you know, cause my wife and I were like, we, you don't know what you don't know. And we had to, and we didn't want to shield him from it. So I just sat there and we, we went through that stuff. And I think it was probably, I don't know. I just, it was probably right before SHOT Show last year. It was like January. And 
I just woke up one day and I feel that God said, hey, bro, you're doing a camp. Figure it out. Deuces. I'm like, okay. I just woke up and I started writing out an idea for a schedule, putting together all the things that I've done with Riker so far and then putting together things that we're going to do. So sit around and I'm like, okay, I got to do this and, and start talking to people. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do a camp. I'm going to do a pilot just to, cause I got to figure it out, but why my camp to be different. So then February comes and I do this event every February with Sornex, uh, called winter strong. And this is, this is my new year. This is, this year will be the sixth year. And it is, it is, it is just the most amazing time. And, uh, uh, one of the presenters this year um, didn't really show up. And to kick the whole weekend off, Bert had asked me, he's like, hey, Ron, why don't you come up and tell everybody how you do stuff? And I just like from the hip did a 50-minute presentation on preparedness. And throughout the whole weekend, I had, you know, there's 350 people there. I had half the people come up like, hey, what's your website? What's your website? I'm like, for what? Like, I sell weapons accessories mm-hmm. and I do training. But I was like, for what? So like all that stuff you just talked about. I was like, oh, man, that's just how we live. We just call that like Monday morning, <laughs> like Thursday night. Like that's just how it is in our house. Mm-hmm. And they're like, can you teach me? So then after that, my real good friend, uh, Don Verity, who's um, founder, owner of Clean Eats, um, he's like, Hey man, we talk. And he's like, what? He's like, I know you did a whole bunch of stuff. He goes, I didn't know you did that. He goes, he's like, tell me more. And I was like, well, I'm actually going to run a, uh, a pilot summer camp for kids this year. And he's like, tell me about that. And I told him no whole plan. And he's like, where are you going to do this? I was like my house. And he's like, how big's your yard? I was like, I don't know, three quarter acre. And he's like, how's 190 sound? And I'm like, awesome. And he's like, well, a year ago, Yvonne and I started the Clean Eats Foundation and their whole thing was they bought this big property and it's, they're renovating right now. It's got pool. We're going to be camping out there. It's got horse paddock, everything. Um, they wanted to run camps for kids to provide nutrition classes and combat childhood obesity and get kids outside. And I was like, oh. so Don was instrumental in my success for the camp this summer and we've partnered with the clean eats. So I started my company, which is the life skills Academy and that's skills with a Z because clean eats. And so I want to pay respect because, and carry on that, that kind of theme. And, um, so our camp is, is, it's pretty simple. It's God, family, country. We start every day with a prayer. We start every day with the pledge of allegiance and then everything has a mission throughout the day. The entire week is focused on situation awareness for kids uh, I presented this to my veterans organization. And so we said, um, you know, God, family, country, and we're going to, um, the whole concept was situation awareness. Uh, so each day had a theme focused on that. Um, when I spoke at my veteran, I'm part of the Veterans Business Collective here. Uh, we've been around about almost three years and it's, uh, uh, started, it's just all veteran organizations. We meet once a month. It's actually tomorrow night. If you're going to be here, it'd be great to have you come. Um, but we meet once a month and it's just, and it's an amazing network opportunity. It's a, it's an olive branch for dudes who are getting out or dudes who are struggling or just need some type of advice. There's, and it's, it's a really good, uh, environment. 
So I did a member spotlight to talk about the camp and I stood up there and had my notebook and I was like, I was like, we have failed. We have failed as veterans. We have failed as parents. We have failed as leaders of industry. We have failed to properly guide and lead the next generation. We have allowed the government to hijack our children and to hijack the way that they are taught and developed. And I say, in in the military, we are taught, don't come at me with a problem unless you have a solution. And I said, the solution is we are going to raise victors out of victimhood. We are going to create assets at six years old. We are going to take these children who are traditionally looked at as liabilities until they're about 15 years old, and we are going to make them the assistant team leader in the house. We are going to make them the most valuable person in the house. And I said, I have an idea. I have a plan. And then everybody's like, what's the website? And I'm like, I'm like, guys, this is ground zero. I was like, this notebook, this is the website. This is the Instagram page. This is, this is it. And every, everybody's like, I'm in, I'm in. I had more, I had more volunteers than I, I knew what to do with. Um, I had that night I had people, I had two people make financial donations. Like, I don't want anything back. This is amazing. This needs to happen. So now I'm like, Oh man, now it has to, I have to do this. And so I started going around. I had my, my schedule and things just kind of like fell in place. So we did a day of, uh, we started it out with situation awareness, self-defense. So we're not teaching the, we're not teaching the kids any skill. We're teaching them when, if someone big came up, tried to kidnap you in human traffic. And we talk about that stuff lightly, but not, not um, to freak them out, right? Mm-hmm. Keep it lighthearted. But we teach them soft, you know, soft targets and everything like this. And we, we actually worked them up to like where they were on the ground and they had to like fight, 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 shrimp away. So now you got that heart rate up. But once they got away, like, hey, I'm like, well, you're not done. I took a bunch of my son's toys and hit them around the room. I'm like, go find a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So now I'm hitting them cognitively. Mm-hmm. So now I'm training them to stay in the fight. Now they went from something big. They're trying to find something small. Exit, phone, another adult, a, a hard point, something like that. Then we went to, we did a nutrition class with Clean Eats. Talked about proper things to eat, proper snacks and stuff like that. Ate at their restaurant. And then we went to Canines for Service to teach the kids the importance about volunteering and doing mm-hmm. something for someone else that's done so much for you that you'll never meet. Mm-hmm. And that you're, they're doing something for you that they'll never meet you. And then they all became professional dog walkers <laughs> in that organization, which is cool. We all walked the dogs and they learned the commands and stuff. Then we came back here to the house and my buddy who's a Marine and a flight medic, and I, I tapped into my veteran network as much as I could, had the ambulance at the house. Oh, cool. So the kids are in ambulance. And now we started their medical training. Um, this day we started practicing how to clean wounds and we were doing splints, arm and leg splints. All the kids got to do it. And, um, that was day one. Day two, uh, we went to the 911 call center, which I always like to tell a story is like, you know, I tell these kids, I was like, look, I was like, when you guys were born, you've always had 911. You've always had us, you've already known what a cell phone is. You've always had flat screen TVs. Like you've always had the internet. I was like, those, all those things, none of those existed when I was your age. I was like, 911 was started um, as a test in, I think, like 1969. 
And I don't think it went online officially across the country until about 1976. The first time I actually had to use 911, it took a dime. You had to put a dime. It wasn't free. You had to put a dime in a payphone, and it was busy. I tried on three phones, and it was busy. And um, so I tell the kids this. So we go there, and like I geeked out. This 911 call center, I had no idea like how intense this was. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely impressed. And I have, um, cause the big thing is, is we want these kids to be empowered. Like what happens if you're at home and you know, your mom, your dad, you know, hits their head and they're unconscious. What do you do? Uh, do you get a neighbor? Do you call 911? Do you, how do you call 911? So that was the whole concept. It was to teach them how to be self, you know, self-resilient to be that, that person, that difference maker. Um, here I am, send me. And so after we did that, what the cool thing about that one was there was actually a robbery (laughs) that happened. So we're back there and you see the lady and she's just like, 911, what's your emergency? So she's talking to the person calling in this year and this year she's talking to, you know, the sheriff's department or Mm -hmm. WPD. And she's like, okay, hold. And she's like, yes, I have robbery in progress at this address, blah, blah, blah. Super calm and everything. Oh, it's like, Mr. Rob, Mr. Yeah. Ron. Oh my God, you're somebody's robbing something right now in town. Yeah. It was like, and it was so cool. So then we went to the sheriff, went over to the, uh, went over to the SWAT guys and the ERT guys had all their stuff laid out. And the kids were like loving that, crawling through the, the AMRAP, playing on the jet skis, playing the forklift. The forklift mm-hmm. was a huge hit. Um, then we went to the fire department at Wrightsville Beach because Wrightsville Beach also does ocean rescue. So they it's not just a regular fire department. They're doing a little bit more, and the kids got to shoot fire extinguishers, which to me was one of the things that I wanted to happen. Um, the next day, we had, we had worked with Freedom Sailing, which is a marine uh, non-pro- nonprofit, and um, uh, he has a trimaran. And what he does is he takes veterans and their families out and takes them sailing or teaches them how to sail. So the day before, they just learned how to call 911. Well, we went down and coordinated. (coughs) (coughs) We had coordinated with our Coast Guard station on the south end of Wrightsville Beach. And they were like, yes, please, this is going to be awesome. So we went in. They gave us a tour of the facility. They gave us a class on the radios on how to talk to Maritime 911 and and is how we were calling it. Because a lot of these, we, we live at the beach. So a lot of our our stuff, we need, we have to have that water safety in there. We had to have that that thing in there. So the kids would go out on the, we broke them into three teams. It was 10 kids. It was uh, boys and girls. So our pilot, our pilot camp was uh, six to 12 years old. And um, team one went out on the trimaran. So what he was doing, they would get out there and they were working on knots because that's one of the things that they learned was knots. Um, they were working on knots, but then he's like, okay, you're on the boat with your, your dad and he hit his head and he's unconscious. How do you, how do you get help? And they're like, well, you pick up the radio and you're like, coast guard, coast guard, uh, uh, and just tell them what name of your boat is. And then they were like, well, where are you at? So what are some things, situation awareness while well, I'm at channel marker or this, that, and the other? Well, this is stuff that we've been doing with Riker since, cause we have a house my in-laws live down on, on the coast down in South Topsail. And so we're on the boat all summer long. So we've been doing it. And so, uh, Josh was steering the boat. He goes, okay, dad's unconscious. He goes, pick up the radio. Where are we? And Riker's like, oh, we're at, we're at channel marker number seven. And they're like, and he's like, he, the guy's like, and he's like, okay, who's going to call the radio? And Riker's like, I just said, 
and he's like, and he didn't hear him. But so he, he's always paying attention. Um, so then team two was on the Coast Guard boat. All the kids got to drive this. So these were 90, 90 minute rotations. Oh, okay. So they took the Coast Guard boat out into the ocean and they're like, okay, drive. And the kids were like full throttle. Mm, like, awesome. And I, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like I was geeking out. And then um, the other, the third team was on the beach learning how to throw cast nets. So again, now we're making that self-sufficient, right? Being able, like getting that provider mindset in there. Um, and the cool thing on that one was when everybody, all the three teams went through in their rotation, we get, we let them hang out and play for like 45 minutes in their like this cute, this private little beach the Coast Guard has. And I sat back and you, we looked out, I looked out in the water and there's, there's, there's things that you can't write into a business plan. When we started the grip um, and we put the grip into, you know, people's hands like Kyle Carpenter. Took him out to the range, put the, put the rifle in his hand, and he hasn't been able to shoot because of his injuries. He doesn't have wrist mobility. He doesn't have a lot of strength in his in his arm to hold the rifle up. He shot a mag. He turns around, can I shoot some more? We put a chest rig on him, and he was shooting, doing his reloads on his own. He turns around, and he's like, fellas, he's like, as I stand here today, as I am, he goes, I could go back to Afghanistan right now with this grip. My one partner up in Alaska was like, he goes, if we went out of business today, he goes, we are a successful company because we just gave somebody back something that they thought they lost. You can't write that in a business plan. I looked out at the beach and I watched these kids and six to 12 years old and I had a tribe and these kids were just like, everybody was intermingling. It was just, it was like, holy crap. And like, social skills too. Yeah. And it was just like. It was the kids were doing what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be outside. They're supposed to be just like having a blast. So the the fourth day, we went down to Extreme Outfitters in Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is my bow shop. Um, indoor 30-meter range. They run youth camps all the time. So I told them what I was doing, and I was like, hey, I want to come down for a day of archery camp. So we did that. I know that that day was one of the best days of the week because at 2.30 came for us to come back. I was physically grabbing the kid's arm and ripping the bow out of their hand. They did not want to leave. Um, and the funny thing is, too, is when we had the bullseye targets up, they were like, okay, okay. We went, we broke for lunch. We came back. They had all the 3D targets out there, and these kids were hooked. And But the funny thing was is they were all shooting them in the butt. And they're like, is that good? And I'm like, did you aim for the butt? And they're like, yeah. And I said, did you hit the butt? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, then you're good. Uh, the fourth, the fifth day we had already pre-planned gone out. This was a really unique, this was like the culminating event. So we did land nav and vehicle work. So we broke them into half. So each kids were in teams of two and they had an adult. So we taught cardinal direction with a compass, right? Walk until you see this color. This is your color Mm -hmm. walk. When they got there, they had a skill they had to perform that they learned this week. They didn't get their next checkpoint until they both performed the skill. (laughs) Field expedient, backpack, strap, tourniquet, um, splint, clean a wound, um, tie three knots, you know, start a fire with the the Blackbeard fire um, system. And the other team was in, we had rented a car, was in the garage learning how to change a tire. Oh, that's cool. So jacking a car up, changing a tire, which came in handy because Riker, we had a lady broke down on the side of the road right in front of our house the other uh, two days ago. And we went out and helped her. And that's who gave us the flowers. She came back and gave us those moms. But uh, um, 
So they were doing that. Then when everybody had done those things, we brought them together and we used painter's tape. And we taught them how to break out of restraints. And again, going keeping with the theme of situation awareness. Mm-hmm. Then we taped their hands and their feet and we put them in the trunk of the car. Now we're teaching them how to break out of the restraints and then how to exit out of the trunk. Um, and then uh, Rescue Me was another, uh, Rescue Me Seatbelt Cutters was another one, American-made company. Uh, reached out to them. They hit me back right away. So I bought seatbelt webbing. We put the kids in the front seat. We had uh, the adults in the back. We cut the webbing, tightened them down. And we said, when you feel it get tight, pop it off and cut it. So we cut it. And then we were holding like a book, you know, near the thing so they could practice doing the glass punch hmm. and then break yeah. and rake and then climb out the window and then turn around and then say, okay, what would you do now? Well, now if I had a phone or I would look for somebody to help or I would see, you know, this, that, and the other. And then we talked about things that you guys can do. Now, the other thing backing up, this wasn't a camp where you show up and you get a t-shirt. These kids showed up and they got like $300 worth of kit. <laughs> like they got a awesome. backpack and it wasn't, this isn't like Walmart stuff. Like they got black diamond headlamps. They had, uh, Militar, I'll have to show you the Militar, the door jam. They had the uh, Blackbeard Fire the, um, starter kit. They had the Rescue Me, the whole water bottle, everything from Clean Eats, a little field uh, cook set, um, a knot tying book, a sling rope, uh, a can of rapid rope, and like a uh, D- Dieter Detour. I can't, I say it incorrect, but it's a mountaineering. They make a junior size backpack. So it was a kid backpack. Backpacks had whistles on the chest strap. So I gave them. My whole concept at this camp is it, it is a more expensive camp, but they're getting life skills. Mm-hmm. So when these kids see that pack and they go to leave their house, they know if I have that pack, that's my superpower. My family's going to be okay if I have that pack. So that was the pilot. We learned a lot. The mom's phenomenal. I, my schedule was very ambitious as far as time. I had the drop off was 745. Pickup was four o'clock. That is my thing is, is I valued the parents' time and, mm-hmm. and money. I wanted to make sure I was giving, yeah. I was getting, maxing it out for them. They were like, you know, we'd be good with like, like the kids would be good like nine to three or eight to two. And I'm like, okay, they're like, that's what most camps are. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, mm-hmm. this is good to know. I can do everything in there. Um, so it was, it was, it was, it wasn't difficult. Everything kind of, because again, I rehearsed, I pre-planned and, multiple like days of coordination and everything final coordination and all this and everything went it is repeatable uh so then i started sitting at don and i sat down and that's when he was like dude i'm all in he's like we're gonna make this thing big and i was like well i want to try to do nine camps next year so camp one first week is going to be um six to nine years old camp two is going to be 10 to 12 camp three is going to be 13 to 15 now each camp is going to follow kind of the same guidelines but more advanced Mm -hmm. right so we want to get to the land navigation and the archery combined so now the kids are going to land navigate with their bow learn how to be quiet see a 3d target in the woods they're going to you know shoot until they hit and then when they go up they'll retrieve their arrows and there'll be a 20 pound sandbag there that they now have to pick up and now they have to navigate back oh, to the cool. camp mm-hmm. and then they're going to learn how to cook. Then we're going to have hamburgers or something like that or steak or whatever. And now they're going to learn how to cook. So simulating yeah. like I mm-hmm. went and killed and now I hiked it back. Yeah. Right. So again, that, that, that resiliency and that, that ability to be self-sustaining and understand like 
planting that seed of survivability by mm-hmm. planting that seed of, of being a provider and, you know, being the asset, being the one everybody's going to look to like, you know, what do we do? Right. Um, so, so it, we're going to add on to stuff like that. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to do for the older camps, we're going to do all the municipality stuff in the first two days. And then the next three days is actually going to be overnight. Oh, okay. So we're going to camp out there because oh, there's going to cool. be a pool. So we'll, we'll, pl- we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do a mission. Yeah. So we're, we want to, you know, the, the kids will do an event. They'll have a task. They'll have a mission. They're going to learn it. And then we'll, then we'll play. Then we'll have a game of kickball. We'll, you know, go swim in the pool for a little bit. We're going to do pool work. We're going to do survival stuff in the pool, teaching them. And there's, there's no reason why we should not be teaching our kids how to do these things. There's no reason why we should wait and let them figure it out when they're 18. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the state of the world, right? Like right now, what happened this week in, in Israel and, you look at so the state of the world, and you look at how kids. And I know you, 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 you know, you've seen this, and I know all the stuff that you have, um, you know, you do with the human trafficking and and all that stuff. And you look at how kids around the world are are developed, and you look at how our kids are. Like we don't have a video game in our house, you know. And he'd ask, he's like, oh, he's like are we ever going to have a video game? I was like, no, like you have a bow, you have, you have BB guns, you have Nerf guns, you have a real rifle. We're going to go to the range. We're going to go hunt. We're going to go do these things. We're going to learn things. Like as he gets older, he's already asked about like forging and making knife. I was like, I know plenty of guys in the industry. We're going to go when he's a little older and we're going to go spend a week and we're going to learn how to forge together. So this is, these are things that we get to do, but it's, we need to start teaching these kids. It's, he's known, you know, so it's like the Rescue Me Seatbelt Cutters. I went with that brand because we had tested a couple one that are out there. And that was the one that he could manipulate at four years old. So now on all of our vehicles and all of our family's cars, we all have the seatbelt cutter. It's We have a Velcroed in the middle of the seat so everybody could get it. When you see these ads for the seatbelt cutters, everybody's like, oh, yeah, keep it in your glove box. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What happens when you're inverted? Yeah. You know, you're not getting in that glove box. So we put one on every seat. They're inexpensive. And I I put a video up not too long ago on uh, the Life Skills Instagram and on the Instructor One Instagram. So that's like, that's the camp. I want to, I want to change. I want to correct the course. I want to get kids being kids. I want to get them. I want to make that next generation of, of American, of patriot, of leader, of Christian, you know, soldier. Um, I also, we also want to advance the camp to where we're doing family stuff. So, you know, going back to the firearm stuff, I have this idea of stuff I want to do, but how, how do I start? Where do I begin here? Sign up for our camp. Just show up. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's what you have to bring. Here's what's provided. This is what's in the package. Teach you how to pack your ruck. Then we teach you how to plan a course you go. And then we teach you how to set up your camp camp. Wake up the next morning. We do some, uh, mobility. You got to get the, you know, the body circulating and everything like this because you're going to be doing a movement. So we're teaching them how to essentially survive, you know, in worst case scenario, cook your breakfast, pack up camp, pick your new route, go to the next place. So we do, we do to start on a Friday, finish Sunday afternoon. And, um, 
you know, so stuff like that. And then we're going to do other like levels of camps. But my ultimate goal with these camps is to get the kids who have gone through two, three seasons of the camp that once they finish that, that third, that third phase, I'm going to be able to be like, Hey, you want a job? Yeah. And then they're going to be the camp counselors. They're going to be my assistants. Cause I want, again, that grow your own. Now I'm kind of, I don't want to go level one, level two, level three. And I know you're going to appreciate this. I'm my buddy, um, my my buddy Danny Dreher, who um, has pretty much been my right hand man with the firearms instruction for the last few years, I was like, "Dude, I'm trying to come up with a name." He goes, "He goes, dude, what do they do?" He goes, "What are they doing like in Star Wars?" And I was like, "Ooh, I was like, we could do Padawan Apprentice Jedi." I was like, "Or we could do Foundling Apprentice Mandalorian." I'm like, oh, "Man, now I'm even more confused." <laughs> But um, we want to do something like that so where they can earn it. So, yeah, we are going to do T-shirts and we'll have colors, like kind of like identifiers, like in marine reconnaissance, you wear a rope and a rope identifies you as a student. Now, it also makes you a target to get, you know, to to have the opportunity to get stronger, improve your worth, I I will say. But it's 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 a visual way of communicating. So now we can see, you know, camps, you know, who's here because eventually we're going to get to where we want to get to where we're running. Instead of one camp a week, we're going to be running three camps a week for all the ages. So um, the potential's there. We're creating the website now. We've got the business model, and we're building it as we go. So, yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot, man. It was good. I'm glad we got to talk about the camp. We got to talk about the training and everything else like that, man. And you got a lot of really good things going on, brother. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you. Well, you know, we usually do around 30, 40 minutes, but... Man, you get you get talk, Ron. That's one thing I like talking <laughs> with you, man. But uh, looking forward to this summer and checking out these camps and coming by and seeing what you got going on, brother. Yeah, yeah. So the, our, our website will actually be up. Uh, my goal is to have it up by November first, and it's going to be it's LifeSkillsUSA um, dot com and LifeSkillsAcademy. And again, skills is with a Z, and um, that's so that's where all the information is going to flow on the camp. Uh, we're going to start a YouTube, you know, channel with that, the, the videos and all that. Um, but really I just want to, I want to reach kids differently. Um, you know, and, and our, our, we're not, we're not budging. Our values are God, family, country. Um, and this is what we want, you know, and we understand that this isn't for every, everybody's cup of tea, but you know, that, that we, we, and we respect that and we get it. And if that, our camp isn't the camp for you, then that's fine. But we, we really, I don't know, we got to start investing better in our kids. So the other thing, too, is a lot of the families are like, hey, are you, are you guys going to teach firearms? And I was just like, do you want me to? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, and so I started thinking about this. And I'm like, I can't even imagine how much the insurance policy oh, yeah. for a youth camp it would be for firearms training. And I'm just like, I can't do that. And I was like, I started to say, oh, my God, airsoft. Yeah. So we're going to do airsoft for the older kids to the point where we're working them up to teach them how to fight from their house. Hmm. So not going to obviously for, you know, pictures and promo stuff on that. But, um, but yeah, those are, so those are, so we have a lot of things in the work. I'll be running a camp in South Carolina. One of the camps this summer is going to be in South Carolina. That's going to be a combined age, age camp because it's, it's going to be our first remote one. Um, and, potentially going to be running one in Ohio at the end of the summer. Um, so with another, uh, another a Marine brother up there, who's um, he was like, 
dude, we, he goes, me and my buddy have been talking about doing this. And I was like, you know, we can make it happen. So, um, I will tell you that there's a, there's a need. Everybody that supported the camp thanked us immensely. It was like, anytime you need this, I don't care if it's every single day, our doors open. So, yeah. So, 